0: Hello and welcome to Gardening with the RHS with me
1: Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturist at the RHS
2: and me Verity Battle, Trials Team Leader, RHS Garden Wisley. Today it's all about veg. We're hearing from a man who loves to grow okra and we're sharing our unusual veg success stories. From runner beans to sweet potatoes, and we're getting to grips with what to do in the garden at the moment.
1: I like to grow veg for lots of reasons. I like having lots of fresh veg to eat, it's lovely and tasty, it's fresh from the garden. And this year, I spent very freely on seeds as usual. I've got lots of new varieties of garlic and onions that I'm trying. I'm altering my pea and bean growing situation. And I've just got a vast range of things to grow, which I'll probably never get round to sowing all of them. But that's part of the fun of it.
2: Similarly to Guy, I think I have gone a bit nuts on the old seed ordering. But I like growing veg because it's fun, it's rewarding and it really does taste great. And this year I'm looking forward to growing my staples, such as runner beans, because I always have success. But then something newer for me this year is uh, peppers. I've never really grown peppers before, but I'm going to give them a go and see how I get on.
1: We all have our own reasons why we like to grow, and one man in the United States has a particularly impressive one.
3: Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Kofi Thomas. I am a urban farmer. I am a community builder.
1: Kofi Thomas is a Brooklyn-based gardener who created the Good Life Garden in New York. He transformed a wasteland into a community garden responsible for distributing over 4,500 kilos of food since opening.
3: The story of it is I was sitting at another magical garden called the People's Garden and the elder, Hernan, told me that there was another big garden around the corner that had been dilapidated and it was being used as a dumping site. I was pretty incredulous because, you know, I had considered myself somebody who knew a lot of gardens in Brooklyn and nobody had ever mentioned this garden. And I lived around the corner. Nobody on my street had ever had ever spoken of this space. So still a little bit skeptical. I walked around the corner and saw a really massive lot of land that had the infrastructure of a garden but was covered in trash. And that was the first physical introduction for me of the Good Life Garden. So we live in a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Bushwick. And because we are a lower income community, we have not had the same resources or support that other neighborhoods have. And so we don't have as much green space. We don't have as much access to clean, healthy food. We have overdevelopment of tall buildings. And so what I was hoping to do and what we have as part of our vision for the garden is how do we make our environment healthier, for all the people around it. It's kind of two halves to the garden. One half of the garden is for growing, so that's where there were some remnants of raised beds. Uh, it was almost like stumbling upon like an archaeological site where you're looking for like artifacts, like, oh, this was a... <laughs> here's some wood, or here's a little trellis like somebody many years ago used to grow here. The other side of it was supposed to be a community gathering space, and that side was covered in trash. So there was loads of sheetrock and broken glass and doors, and somebody dumped half of a car. Then the vegetation, the weeds would grow over that rubbish. And if you can imagine a lasagna, but of debris, that's what was growing on on that garden. So right now, if you walk in, on the right side where there used to be all of the trash is now there's a stage where we have performances. If you take a left into the garden, we have a couple of trees, and then we have about 52 right now. I think 52 raised beds all growing a variety of crops. And the landscape... Is fairly flat and I designed it in a way where the beds are in clusters and it's long aisles. So I wanted to design it in a way where it can be very interactional. We could have a teacher or instructor and everybody could be walking around at the same time. A lot of our growing is based off of listening. Like a lot of our decisions is based off of talking to the neighbors and seeing what they want. And so our main crops here, we have a lot of black folks from the South. So that's a strong influence here. So we have a lot of collard greens, mustard greens, tomatoes, kale, squash, rosemary, sage, lavender. There is a lot. So those are the main crops. Then I have another section that's just for, like, culturally relevant crops. I've got, like, a really great gardener from China. And, like, he's got a section where he grows... A lot of things that look close to like what we might eat, but it's a little bit different. So like these like super long green beans that are maybe like three feet long. Then I've got some Caribbean people who grow a lot of okra, a lot of coraili, which is also like bitter melon, which is a magical plant. I'm really surrounded by a very beautiful community. I'm across from a senior home so one person that surprised me there's a man named Mr. Santos who's 80 from Puerto Rico he's always in one of those walkers with the wheels on it and you know I asked him if he wanted to plant in one of the beds and he did and then he gets to the <laughs> the gate of the garden and then he just leaves his walker and walks towards the bed and I was I looked around like is this a is this a garden miracle what is happening and it turns out him and some other seniors have strength and mobility but just didn't have a thing to do didn't have something to walk towards and so putting these beds out gave him like a reason to walk Keep telling people, like, how lucky we are, but we get to observe. We get to see people who have these farming practices from, like, around the world. Like, they've been farming for generations. And so you get to see how people in China farm right next to how people in Mexico farm. And you get to say, like, oh, I want to take some of these practices, or I want to plant in rows, like how he does it, or in mounds, like how he does it, or in a circular format, how he does it. But we get to be these students to the world without having to travel off of our street. We really want to be able to have a space where you can learn how to garden. Like There's not any place around where you can come in off the street and be able to walk through the garden and touch everything and maybe take your first steps into growing. So I really wanted that for myself because there was so much that I don't know and there's still so much that I don't know that I wanted to learn. And I wanted it for a lot of the kids in the neighborhood who were in Brooklyn, so it's they call it a concrete jungle. So a lot of the kids here have never seen a cucumber grow out the ground or have never tasted one fresh. So I wanted to have a place where like, we could you know, just have nature be normal again. So that's my hope, my goal, my vision for the future.
2: Kofi Thomas, what a wonderful vision. If you fancy getting involved in any community gardens near you, have a look at the Get Involved area of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk whether it's greening a local area, starting a food growing project or conserving an area for wildlife. On our website, you can find out how to get stuck in and read some other inspiring stories.
1: Our previous guest, Kofi, mentioned okra. It's actually closely related to cotton, a member of the mallow family, and it needs the same kind of conditions as cotton, really. So it's a deep south of America or warm, humid places in Africa, uh, like Senegal, for example.
2: I've never grown it. I don't think I've even ever eaten it knowingly. It's completely new to me.
1: I'm quite a fan of okra, but it's a tricky old thing to grow in Britain.
2: Another okra lover is Kamal Bell. He's the CEO of Sankofa Farms, a company that supports people from minority backgrounds in the United States to grow. Kamal explained where his love affair with the plant came from.
4: I first encountered okra at my grandmother's soup when I was younger. I probably was around like six or seven, but I can remember it being mixed in with tomatoes, corn, and it was a stew. And my grandmother made some good okra stew. So okra is about, it can grow well when you're supposed to eat it. It's like the size of your index finger. And it has a beautiful leaves, a beautiful flower. Um, the leaves are also edible. It tastes like spinach. It has a hat on it with a little stem. Kind of like a pepper. It's like a superfood. But when you open it up, it has like a slimy texture with beautiful seeds. We first grew okra two years ago. And this year when we grew it, the deer ate it up. So I'm definitely not giving them any okra next year. Two years ago, we first grew okra and we didn't have irrigation, but we just planted anyway and we still got a good harvest of okra and that's when I knew I was in love with it. (laughs) I'd grow okra all year round if I could. We transplant okra, but it also grows from seed really well. We grew spineless okra this year and it did very well for us. But you would transplant around three weeks. And then after that, the leaves are going to start to spruce up and grow out. And then you're going to start seeing these yellow flowers that come from the middle of the plant. And once you see that flower, you're going to start seeing okra. And okra is high yielding too. So you can get a good harvest from it for around, I'll say a month. But you have to catch it when it's three to four inches long. You'll be picking it every day almost or every other day. But if you start missing it, it'll get probably around like eight inches. It'll get really hard and you can't eat it. It'll feel like wood in a sense. But you have to have warm soil for it. But you don't have to have a lot of water as well. So that's a, that's, a, that's a plus. You don't have to have a lot of water for okra. But um, it's a resilient crop. You can save the seeds. Like you can cut the okra up, take the seeds out, put them on a paper towel and dry them out. And once they get dark brown, they almost look black you can put them in a bag and store them and plant them for next year. So okra's really good for that. So if you brought okra seeds one year, you won't need to next year if you save your seeds. It's high yielding, The leaf, you can eat the leaves, like you can use every part of the crop, for me, like the leaves and with it fruit. And it also supports pollinators, like you see plenty of pollinators around it. That might be my selling point, like I love okra because it supports pollinators.
1: Kamal Bell. I started growing okra when I was on the garden staff at RHS Garden Wisley. I got our propagation team to raise beautiful plants in a heated propagating area in a nice warm greenhouse and then I put them out in our best greenhouse and covered them with a little tent of fleece to trap the warmth and grew them in a black plastic pot so the sun warmed the root zone and the results were abysmal. But... Every year we tried again and then we tried again and we continued failing over and over until eventually we found a way to grow reasonable okra. We raised the plants in a heated greenhouse and we put them in one of the snazzy little cold frames made by access that we had on our vegetable garden at the time and the cold frame you could close down and make really really hot which is what they want and we had some lovely looking okra but then To spoil it all, a lady from Louisiana who was visiting the garden came along and tried some of our okra, and she said it wouldn't do for Louisiana. It was too stringy and too small and not fleshy enough, so that put us in our place. So okra isn't perhaps the most common homegrown veg. I suppose that would be potatoes, carrots, onions. But Verity, I want to know if you've had any successful attempts at growing more unusual veg...
2: Well, guy, I don't know about successful, but I have tried growing a couple of different things. I've tried a sweet potato in the past, and on the surface, things looked good. Lots of top growth, lots of leaves. However, in the uh, late summer, when it was time to dig it up, the tuber, the actual what would be the sweet potato, was really rather small and disappointing. And I think, as you suggest with the okra, we just don't get the heat here in Britain.
1: Well, sweet potatoes are definitely a tricky thing. But the most important point to remember is that the tuber formation is day-length related, and they only form their tubers in the long days as winter approaches, which, of course, is also the time when it gets very cold and not much sunlight. And that's why sweet potatoes are, are tricky in this country. So when I grow sweet potatoes, I grow them through a mulch, and I grow them under a tunnel covered in fleece and i water them and feed them very well all summer so there's a great mass of leaves by the time summer begins to fade in september and then i give them a double layer of fleece and try and keep them alive for as long as i can to swell the tubers well this year it didn't work so well because it wasn't that warm in the summer there wasn't a lot of light and there's a lot of rains but in a hot year i probably would get better results however the tubers are not great But um, I've been doing it every year now for, I can't remember how long, at least 10 years. And it's only occasionally that I get really good results. But, you know, people used to say that about sweet corn in the 1960s and 70s. But with climate change and better cultivars, sweet corn is very reliable in Britain now.
2: Well, thank you, Guy, for your advice on sweet potato growing. I think perhaps I was a bit too eager to harvest mine and perhaps also should have given it a bit more TLC. And then pea shoots, although not necessarily that unusual. I tried growing the pea shoots rather than the full-on peas and um, again they germinated really well and all looked promising but the problem I had with those was uh, next to my house we have a, a big holly bush and it's full of house sparrows and what I hadn't realized is they came down and enjoyed the pea shoots before I could get to them. They stripped all the leaves off and I was just left with stems But they're the two things I've sort of tried on the slightly more unusual front. And I think for this year, the wild card that I'm going to try is um, I bought a packet of spaghetti squash and we'll see how that goes. And I think that's the one that you sort of you grow and then you can scoop the flesh out and looking at all the pictures online and it comes out in sort of like spaghetti strands. And so I thought thought I'd give that a go. Moving forward to this year, what are you looking forward to growing most this year?
1: well i'm growing all the usual things verity that i like to grow and that yield well so lots of potatoes and onions and cabbages and brussels sprouts and sweet corn and beetroot and things um, but i'm also going to put in a few unusual things that i've ordered i was going to try and grow with chickpeas again you harvest them when they're green you don't get a heavy crop but they're so hairy that the deer don't eat them and i do have a lot of trouble with deer and I've got some soya beans to plant. I'm going to harvest those green and uh, use them as edamame. But they're going to have to be under netting their whole life because deer absolutely love soya beans. So I-, I won't get any crop if I don't net them. Some-
2: Well, that's really interesting. I think perhaps quite a few of our visitors have problems maybe with deers. So um, knowing that chickpeas could be a crop for them, I think that's really interesting.
1: Yes, um, you don't get a massive yield, but they're very easy to grow. There are companies that sell seed, but I just go to my local Asian supermarket and buy a packet off the shelf and sow those seeds and it seems to work reasonably well. And of course, they're very inexpensive like that.
2: Well, we're nearly at the end of this week's show. But before we leave you, My suggestion for a job in the garden this week is if you've got any empty areas in your garden, any bare soil, run a hoe over it. It's what we've been doing in the trials garden. And then hopefully with the cold weather, any weed should shrivel up in the cold temperatures. How about you, Guy? What's your tip for a job to do this week?
1: Well, I've been looking at my compost bins. So I've emptied the compost bins and pits that are full of good compost and spread that around the garden. And I've turned everything that hasn't quite rotted into another compost bin. I find that compost rots very slowly in the winter, so I usually need free compost bins to accumulate all the vegetable scraps and other compostable waste. I've reinforced the lining against the rats, and so I'm all set up now to compost for another year. I find that I can make enough compost for a significant amount of my garden. For more on anything discussed, visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast.
2: Thanks for listening, and it's goodbye from me, Verity Battle.
1: And me, Guy Barter.